and welcome to episode 23 of Throwing Bagels Podcast. I am Chris Daggles. I'm joined, as always, by Kevin Mooney. Kevin, how are you? I'm great, Chris. How are you? Doing excellent. Jason Hamo, how are you? Trying to get raccoons out of my backyard, Chris. Oh, yeah. Watch out for those raccoons, man. They'll come and eat your stuff. Like all of it. <laughs> all of it. All of it. We are joined by uh, two guests tonight. We have two guests on our show today, this episode, and they are returning guests. We have a very special hockey edition of Throwing Bagels podcast. Without further ado, we bring in Joe Yurden and Alex Russo. And Joe Yurden, of course, noted hockey substack, co-host of Maintenance Day and a Bleacher Report contributor. Joe, how are you? I'm doing great, Chris. I'm doing great, guys. It's uh, it's always nice to be reunited with you fellas. So yeah, yes. it's uh, we're doing good. We appreciate you coming on. Of course, we have Alex Russo as well tonight, a hockey expert and content programmer for Bleacher Report Open Ice. Uh, Alex joined us halfway through the Stanley Cup Finals last time. Alex, how are you? Happy to be here. Happy to be back with y'all and uh, happy for the season to finally start soon. <laughs> yeah, very soon. Just around the corner. Just around the corner. So. Uh, before we do get into our, uh, and Joe, you you uh, do cover the Buffalo Sabres. Alex, you mm -hmm. cover the NHL in general, but you're a big Rangers fan. Um, but I wanted to get your thoughts on the quote-unquote resignation of Mike Babcock that occurred just over the weekend. Joe, we'll start with you. Okay, I I, I didn't want to I don't want to step on Alex's toes if she want if she want to start there. Um, I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, I, listen, I'm always happy to defer here. Um, I think this is just proof that sometimes believe what everybody's telling you, like just kind of believe where everything's coming from. Cause none of the stories that, that, that came out of Toronto from some of the guys that were disgruntled seemed to be fabricated. And there was enough stories from guys that used to play for, for Babs in Detroit, where it was like, that's not be the best guy in the world. Um, I mean, just look up anything, look up the, the stories about him and Johan Franzen uh, from back in the, from back in the day where Franzen, you know, came up with a, had a horrible concussion history and Babcock was just kind of like, yeah, well, what are you going to do? Um, sometimes a guy shows you who he is and that's what it is. And uh, that it came, that this whole thing came apart because of, uh, of uh, Paul Bissonnette and the spit and chicklets guys, hmm. you know, getting a hold of, getting a hold of a guy in the team and, or a guy reaching out to them saying like, Hey, this guy's being a, being a bit of a creep and a weirdo you might want to look into this, that this whole thing just blows up. It's, it's, pretty amazing honestly considering you know where it started from and where it all kind of mushroom cloud to it's 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 fascinating i my interactions with babs in the past have been pretty good but like that's a small tiny fraction of what you get to know of somebody especially especially being in the media they're going to show us the best side or well, i'm i can't say that torts doesn't usually show us the best side of himself <laughs> too often but you know but most of these guys are going to show you you know the best part of them um when it comes down to it but man this is this is pretty wild he finishes zero and zero as a blue jacket head coach which i don't know pretty good and he's the uh second head coach for the blue jackets to finish without a win in his uh coaching career for the blue jackets as well pretty impressive honestly to have no decisions in your in your coaching career that's for a really team that's good. i don't know man it's neither good nor bad it's the ultimate uh ultimate purgatory yeah i think i saw today the blue jackets management uh put out a post on instagram something to the effect of clearly you know we were wrong 
Um, I, I don't know if they phrased it quite like that, but that was the sentiment. And to Joe's point, sometimes you really just have to listen to what you're hearing. Um, it's, it's a terrible way to go out, but clearly he was doing something that was wrong and unacceptable and, and promotes a negative culture within the sport and within that team. And they have too much to be excited about with Fantilli and, you know, they're, they're an up and coming team. They shouldn't have to be worried about that. And especially in today's day and age, right? Like today's day and age, anything's coming out. Every, any, anything and everything mm-hmm. that you've done at some point in your career, you know, this isn't 1975 anymore, right? 1982. <laughs> anything, anything you've done in in your career, it's coming out. It's going to get out at some point, mm-hmm. and you will get you you will lose your job. It's it's pretty much a guarantee at this point. I feel like is the era of the tyrant as head coach is that era over at this point? I got to think it is right. Like, I mean, guys, it's such a different time now in hockey where like those, those old hard ass coaches just don't, they don't have a lot of shelf life. I mean, Mm -hmm. you had guys this summer, like basically trying to run screaming from Calgary, you know, trying to get out of there the last couple of summers. I mean, you know, Gaudreau, you know, leaves, you know, he said he wanted to come back East, you know, he's a Jersey guy, goes and signs with Columbus. Okay. It's close to Jersey, closer to Jersey than, than Calgary is, I guess, but um, in Columbus, but like, you know, he goes, he takes off to there, you know, Noah Hannafin says he doesn't want to sign an extension to Calgary. Elias Lindholm was talking like, maybe he doesn't want to stick around. Like all these guys are like fleeing and Daryl Sutter was the head coach. And that guy just, he won two Stanley cups, not even within like the last 15 years. And, but yet guys were just kind of like, I don't know, man, this guy's a drag. He's, he's a total old, you know, hard ass guy. Looks like Sam, the Eagle, the Muppet. And we can't, can't deal with this anymore. Like this, this stuff's getting old and you got to be able to identify with the players. And, you know, it, it's the classic, the league's getting younger thing. And if you're not able to identify with these young guys now, or like coach them to a style that they like to play, you ain't going to last too long unless you're John Tortorella, I guess. But you know, torts, torts helps some guys and makes it worse for others. Yeah, but he loses it eventually also, right? Yeah. He, he lasts like three years at a place, then he's gone, so. Yeah, that's you're not wrong. I feel like it's like that in every sport nowadays, you know? I feel like the NHL is the last of the Mohicans kind of to like let, let the old guard go type thing, right? Like the old coaches, like NBA, NFL, right? They don't, the younger coaches, they gotta, mm-hmm. you got to work with the players type thing. You got to be a player's coach, you can't. Right. Mm-hmm. NHL is the last one. I feel like that's really kept those old school coaches around. Yeah. I mean, but I think the NFL still kind of falls in that category because it's that like military mentality, like, you know, we're going to war every Sunday type of thing. So I, I don't know, but, but you, your point does stand like that. The, the league is getting younger with the NFL, but yeah, all, all that nonsense is kind of getting filtered out. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I mean, geez, we don't have to go back too far. I mean, we think of like Mike Keenan, who was just a right. complete, you know, hard ass that every every player hated. I mean, even even guys that uh, even players that like maybe people now don't really care for, like a like a Jeremy Roenick, was just kind of like, man, this guy sucked out loud. What a what a piece of trash he was, and he just like all, he united the players by everybody hating it. Which I guess I guess there is some value in that if it turns into results, but yeah. um, but it's a pretty quick way to lose the entire room and have. Mm-hmm absolutely nobody playing for you if if that's the way it's going to be and um i i you know for me like i'm totally okay with you know with bad coaches who are who are bad people getting swept out i'm fine with that but it's it's such a sea change in the nhl where you know 
you know, we're not very far removed from so many of these, these, you know, these hard ass guys being all across the league to like basically being down to one, you know, one or two left, you know, everywhere else. And it's the, they're, they're basically gone everywhere else. Yeah. It's one of those things where once you lose the locker room, your time is done. I, I remember seeing it with Elaine Vigneault. I mean, I, I felt like he lost the locker room pretty quickly um, after his final season and everybody knew like he's out at this point. Um, and I hate to say that probably the same thing happens with Gallant, but when you blow two consecutive, I mean, obviously different seasons, but when you blow two consecutive two nothing leads in a series, you've lost the locker room. Mm -hmm. Like you did something wrong. And I don't think anybody hated Gallant. I think he was actually pretty much as much a player's coach as you're going to get, but is it's that fine line that you're talking about where it's, you have to have results, but people have to like you, but it has to fit their playing style, but you have to be part of the community. Like, it, it's just so much. I like, honestly have so much respect for coaches that know how to do it because I, I, it, it, it just takes a lot. Uh, we did give Alex and Joe some homework. Uh, to to rank the the four New York area teams as far as how successful they'll be, we'll get to that in just a moment. But um, but Joe, given your uh, uh, given that you covered the Sabers about a month ago, the the voice of the Sabers, Rick Jenneret, passed away. Uh, what was your experience like working working with RJ, and and just how much did he mean to the city of Buffalo? Using the, the I, I know like the term icon gets thrown around quite a bit for anybody who's been around a long time or, or has spent a lot of time in a place and you start, you know, you get very attached to those guys. The term applies perfectly to RJ. I mean, he, you know, he became the voice of the team on, on radio. I think this thing's on radio or, or television, 1971, you know, almost right, right off the hop with, with Buffalo. And, you know, for 50, for 50 years, he was, he was the voice of the Sabres and to be a play-by-play guy to have a job that long is, ridiculous nowadays i mean the the guy i kept comparing him to was like was was ernie harwell with the detroit tigers in baseball and uh even even ernie got got kind of the bums rush out of there from from what bo Beckler, i think when he was running the running the tigers and everybody learned very quickly you don't do that to somebody who's who's the voice of a, of a team and of of generations and that's what rick was with the sabers and fortunately i mean he didn't he didn't have to get pushed out like those guys, he just kept, he kept rolling and he was as good as he's as good as always. And, you know, it, it was really interesting listening to guys like, you know, anybody who is his color analyst, you know, whether it was, uh, you know, it was Rob Ray or, or anybody who worked along with Danny Gare, any of these guys through the years that, that worked next to him and how they felt a lot of pressure having to be on top of their game because Rick didn't work with notes. He didn't use notes for the broadcast. He just knew everything off the top of his head, knew all of it inside and out. And if somebody was, and if the color guy wasn't on top of his game, Rick wouldn't chew him out on the air or anything like that. But as soon as the mic went off, it was like, Hey man, get on it. Like you gotta be, you gotta be better than that. And that's, that's kind of, that's like an old school kind of perfectionist in broadcasting where no matter what the, the end product is going to be great and it's going to be perfect. But like behind the scenes, you better be on your better be on your jam or else you're going to be out of a gig pretty soon. But, um, but he was just such a kind guy, such a funny guy. And he commanded respect. Like uh, I, I shared a story on noted hockey, uh, dot com about, um, 
you know, one of my, one of the, my first road trips while writing for the athletic was, was up in Montreal. And I know I was, you know, kind of sticking close to Dan Dunleavy, who was, who was working as like the, you know, the ringside reporter for, for broadcast for the Sabres. And, you know, we walk into the, the meal room up there and, uh, Rick waves, Joe, come on over here. And I was like, Oh boy, like, this is the, this is like the president tapping you to come sit down with him at, at dinner. And, you know, it's, you know, it's just, and it's just Rick, just, just hanging out and chatting and, and just being part of the, you know, just, just doing his thing, just being Rick. And, you know, you got razor sitting, you know, Rob Ray sitting next to him, just go, you know, pouring over notes, going over everything, making sure he's on top of his, his stuff. Cause Rob's Rob, Rob gets a lot of crap, but like he studies a ton. Like he just studies everything inside out and backwards. So he, He's on his stuff, and I, I give him a lot of credit for doing that. But man, Rick was just such an such an easygoing guy, and you know, um, I you know they, they held a very nice ceremony for him in Buffalo, kind of like a you know kind of like a and sort of like a wake, but like you know it was just for everybody there to come in and tell stories, players, broadcasters alike, and. Um, the, I, I joked that the only downside was that they didn't have enough beer for everybody in attendance because that's the way Rick would have wanted it. So if you're going to sit around and tell stories about Rick and, and, you know, have fun with it, you gotta have, you gotta have a, a few cold ones in hand. Yeah. That's really sweet. What Buffalo did for them. I actually, or for him, I, I actually saw something the other day. Um, I think right outside of key bank center, there's a place called Perry street. Um, and they're trying to turn a section of it into like RJ way. Yep. Um, and mm-hmm. I think, yeah. And I, I saw something that said they're actually going to have a ceremony about that when the Sabres host the Rangers for their home opener this mm-hmm. season. That's, that's pretty cool of them. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a very, it's going to be a very emotional opening night in Buffalo. Cause uh, they're going to do that uh, before I, before the game at some point, you know, before everybody gets in the arena, um, and then his wife and I think his, his sons are going to be at the game and they're, mm. it's going to be, it's going to be, there's going to be tears. There's going to be, there's going to be a lot of that, but it's going to be a lot of, it's going to be a lot of cheers for RJ and the team's going to be pumped up the players, uh, you know, listen, there's about a you know, 50, 60 year difference in the, in the ages of the players now and, and RJ, even for somebody as quote unquote old as Kyle Opozo. I mean, there's still like a, you know, 45, 45 year difference in age there, but those guys loved him. They absolutely loved him. They respected everything about him and the, and the history that he represented for the Sabres. And I mean, you know, they, they were so giddy to, to win the game for him in our, you know, the, the, his last game that he called for Buffalo. And, you know, it was, uh, K- I think it was Casey Middlestat scoring the game winner. And they brought Rick out on the ice afterwards to get a picture with him. Like everything about it was just, those guys really, it's a weird thing because the Sabres used to be kind of, kind of sour to be around in the cover and whatnot. These guys love everything about being a Buffalo Saber and being in Buffalo. And RJ was a big part of that because he's, he, you know, he was he was living history for for them. Like he was, he touched every portion of the franchise, and they really respected everything that he was able to do for them. Let's take a look at your thoughts, both of you, about how the four New York area teams are going to do. So the Sabres, Rangers, Devils, Islanders. Uh, Just a quick recap of how things ended up last year. The Sabres, one point out of a playoff spot. They finished tied with the Pens, right, at 91 points. One Mm -hmm. back of Florida, who, as we all know, went pretty far uh, last year. So uh, Buffalo just missing. uh, And we kind of already know the Devils, Beat the Rangers in seven, fell to Carolina in five in the next round. So we already know where the Rangers wound up. The Islanders lost to Carolina in the first round in six games. So we'll start with who's most likely 
to be successful this year among those four teams. I'm kind of thinking there might be a consensus, but we'll see how it plays out. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Alex, go ahead. What are your thoughts? I hate that I have to give you my honest opinion right now. <laughs> but <laughs> the Devils are very clearly the up-and-coming team of mm. the Metro, the East, the League. Um, obviously generational talent. And I, I don't use that term lately, but it's it's the truth with Jack Hughes and his brother Luke coming in this season. Different players, different positions, but something about those genetics is clearly making good hockey players out of everybody there. Um, and they're lucky enough to be in that pool twice and, and getting both of those players. So they're going to have a lot of talent on their roster for many years to come. And, and Hughes kind of masks the other talent they have there as well. You know, Nico Shear and um, Dougie Hamilton. I, I think BR today, we, we did a post about like best defenseman in the league. And I, I'm pretty sure Hamilton came in at like number five or something. Like they have so many things going for them right now. And their culture is great. I, I don't know how much you guys uh, follow their Twitter account or their Instagram, but they just have such a unique way of presenting themselves to their fans, to their opponents. I mean, when they win games, they're they're not shy to be cocky about it, um, whether that's with what they're saying or how they're posting. And honestly, they have the right to be when they're doing that well. So mm-hmm. I have them at number one, um, probably going to win the Metro this year really don't want to say that out loud again. So please remember (laughs) that I said that. Um, (laughs) And uh, I think, I think second to them is the Rangers. I I, like objectively speaking, I still do think that the Rangers have their window open. Um, They, they have additions that they brought in this, this off season, like Jonathan quick, which I had very mixed feelings about, obviously Um, broke my heart, but you know, Maybe he'll win a cup with us and then it'll it'll be different. I won't feel that way. Um, hopeful, hopeful speaking. Um, but the addition of him and Blake Wheeler, I think the Rangers still have a lot going for them, but they're not as young as they used to be. And trying to rebuild a team in two years was a, a miracle in and of itself when they did it. And I don't know that that's something they can necessarily pull off again. So they're going to have to do something with the window that they currently have. Um, otherwise... You know, it'll it'll be a while before I, I get excited for October again, which mm. will be sad. So, um, and then and then closely after that, the Sabers, uh, the Sabers, like you said, were one point out of a a wild card spot, and I can't see a way in which they miss the playoffs this year. Um, and Joe spoke to it earlier. They have a really good culture in that locker room. I I could be wrong about the player, but I I think it was Devon Levy. Um, somebody had said that when they were coming into the, the locker room, they just immediately knew, like, obviously they had a, a decision between different teams and they just immediately knew with the Sabres, this is where I want to be. I think it was Levy. I could be wrong. Um, but I think, you know, between Tage Thompson, the human highlight reel and Dylan cousins and whoever else they have, they're just, they're stacked and they needed some experience maybe, but I don't think there's a way they, they missed the playoffs this year. Um, and then obviously in, in last place of, of the Metro is, or, you know, like the general mm-hmm. area, the Islanders. And this makes me happy because <laughs> what do the Islanders have going for them right now? Somebody please tell me, I'm not even going to say too much. Just somebody please inform me 
what the Islanders are doing right now, that's so great. I feel like they're at a, a, a standstill right now. They, they didn't make that many offseason moves. Bo Horvat was okay for them at the very most. He was he was pretty good the first couple of games they got him. And then I don't know what happened after that. They did, They obviously, you know, they made the playoffs, but not getting out of the first round. And I, I feel like they were kind of lucky to be there to begin with. So... Those are my thoughts. <laughs> to, to answer your question about do we follow the devil's accounts? And I said, no, because screw them because they're the devils. <laughs> and to be fair, they still don't get anyone to show up to their games anyway. Yeah. So and, and, right. And the Islanders have a nice <laughs> arena. Like that's maybe the only cool thing they've got going on. Uh, Lou Lamorello, right? Uh, that's, a... <laughs> that's why they uh, haven't added anybody because Lou Lamorello's in charge. <laughs> Listen, you won't catch me saying anything bad about Lou because he knows where to bury the bodies. All right. That's that's, that's true. That's what I that's that's what I've learned about Lou over the years. No, it's um I not that I'm copying off of Alex's notes here, but my my four line up the same exact way. Um the devils are gonna be a are gonna be a beast. I, God, I hate that. I hate that you guys are saying that so much. I listen, I get it, and I'm as old school of a devil's hater as anybody because <sighs> they they single handedly just tried to destroy the NHL for the better part of you know 10, 15 years <laughs> in the night, you know, late nineties, two thousands. Um because oh, Jesus, I I it all started at the Albany River Rats, Joe. Ah, oh, uh, you know what? <laughs> yes and no. No, that that all started because of Jacques Lemaire. Let's let's be Jacques and yeah, Jacques and, and Lou were the uh, were the yeah. were the gruesome twosome may help in making that happen. But uh, but I can blame I can blame my Red Wings for not getting the job done in '95 mm-hmm. to help prevent that from happening. At least the Rangers right. took care of business in '94 to keep the to stave the Devils off for at least for a year. But. Oh. Um, but there, this Devils team could not be more polar opposite than those those slog fests, you know, loser. I hate them teams. <laughs> I say that with a smile and a nod, but like <laughs> also lots of hard memories. Um, they, I, Jack Hughes is incredible. Uh, he sure is one of the best two way players in the league. Mm-hmm. Dougie Hamilton's maybe the most underappreciated defenseman in the NHL. Um, they added Tyler Toffoli in the offseason, which. Oh, not gonna lie, gonna be interested to see what he does away from Daryl Sutter because he's the one guy who seemed to be able to play well and score for him uh, going back to LA and with Calgary. Um, but still an unbelievable addition. They added Timo Meyer last season and then extended him. Jesper Bratt might be one of the most underrated def- uh, forwards in the NHL because he just scores points and he's really good with possession. Uh, he, Luke Hughes is gonna be a lot of fun to watch. Um, they don't John Marino became a great defenseman again in New Jersey. The one thing that might hold him back is goaltending, but honestly, they could score. They this team might score five, six goals a game, and who cares at that point? You know, Vanacek can give up four a game and, and grant Fuhrer's way to a Stanley Cup. Um, with the way that they're set up, I, I love yeah. the way the Devils are set up. Uh, them and Carolina are going to be fighting each other, you know, fist fighting each other all season. The Rangers are going to be right there, too. I like, I like the addition of Blake Wheeler. I think that's a really s- smooth veteran ad. He's a still a very good player. I don't care that he's in his mid thirties. This dude can still play. He can still score. And you know, whatever happened in Winnipeg there with Rick Bonus, like, I mean, that's. I mean, I'm glad we don't have to talk about the Jets because I. Uh, that's 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 a, that's a that's a giant that's a giant conversation to have about what a disaster that's setting up to be there. But, um, but I love those ads. I think Shosturkin's gonna have a bounce back season. Not that he was bad last year, just I think he's gonna be better. Um, 
Panarin, I think, is is took having a very bad playoffs to heart. I mean, he shaved his head and all that stuff. So um had to get nice. get the <laughs> right. So I mean he so I, I I think he's I think I think Panarin's gonna have a nice bounce back year. I love Zabanajat. I love love the way that team's made up. Kreider is such a pain in the ass for everybody down by the goal. So I he can get it done. Adam Fox is awesome. That dude is just absolute lights out dynamite. He's he's so he's so good. Um Sabres are an easy number three for me, which is, which is kind of tough or three. Yeah. Three. Um, because they're going to be better. They, they have to be a playoff team this year. They, there is not much, there's not much, you know, leeway there. I mean, they, they missed the postseason, And if they, they missed the postseason because they didn't get like 102 points. Like if it takes a hundred, you know, if it takes a ton of points to get to the postseason, they don't get there. And like that, that might be semi tolerable, but if it takes like 88 to get to the postseason, they finish with like 87, then they're like, that's that's a that's a huge that's a huge disaster for everybody because this has been everything that they've been doing the last few years has been building to now. Like they should have can argue they should have made the playoffs last year. Um, and listen, if they beat Florida that game towards the end of the season. That changes the entire thing, and then they make the playoffs, and then who knows what happens from there. Nope. But, well, then the Sabers go to the Stanley Cup Finals instead of Florida. <laughs> I mean, that's that's logic, right? That's just that's just that's normal logic. I, th- I mean, that's why I think about only it. sports work like that. Forty-one-year-old <laughs> right. Craig Anderson takes the Sabers to the Stanley Cup Final. Of course, that's yeah. exactly how it goes. Um, but they uh, they have just there's too much young talent there, uh, and they're get, they're gonna add. There's gonna be another at least one more young guy that's gonna make the lineup this year. Little nervous about Matt Savoy. He got injured in the prospects game tonight, so we'll see what happens Ooh. there. He's going to miss the beginning part of camp. Is that breaking news, Joe? It's sort of slightly, I guess. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it might be old news by the time this pod goes up, but I mean, we'll <laughs> see what happens. But, um, but yeah, he got banged up. They took him out of the game, so we'll see what happens there. He was looking awesome. He's going to be awesome when he's ready to play. Yuri Kulik's awesome. Zach Benson's going to be an incredible player. I can't believe they got him in the draft. Absolutely cannot believe he fell to them in the draft. Um, so when he's when he's ready to go, I mean, hell, he he might make a case to make the team this year. I don't think he's gonna, but they got so many other young, young guys. Isaac Rosane, incredible. Uh, Darlene is an just an unbelievably impressive defenseman. And Owen Power, we got a taste of it last year. We're going to see a lot more from him this season. And the, it all hinges on the goaltending. And if Devin Levi's the guy, if he really is the Jedi master, um, <laughs> he's, he's gonna, he's gonna carry them very far. I, I th- the idea for me is that he's going to light a fire under Lukanen. Cause I th- still think Lukanen can be a good goalie. Um, but if Levi's the guy that, that we've seen the glimpses, we saw it last season. We saw how good he can be. If he's the guy for real, Buffalo is going to be a real big pain for everybody in the East. They're going to, they're going to do really well. And the Isles, listen, I am ready to dunk on the aisles all day with you guys because I, I don't get what they're doing. I don't understand anything that they've done. They gave long-term contracts to like half of their, you know, mid, you know, mid-level players this past season. I get the trade for Horvat, understand it, love it. That's, that's super good, but you know, trading for a guy having a career year going in, that's how it's also in a contract year. That's a little dicey. It's a little tough. Give them eight years and a lot of money. It's a little awkward, but, but I mean, like they gave out eight year deals or like seven year deals for like Pierre Engvall and Scott Mayfield and like a four year deal for Varlamov. Like what to back up Sorokin? <laughs> they already had another goalie, <laughs> right? Well, I mean, like, well, the goalie they have is maybe one of the best in the exactly. league. Sorokin, Sorokin's awesome. I Jesus, he's good. But 
I lose trying to do it mid 90s style with a team that has guys that want to run, you know, you know, Barzell throwing, throwing a horse collar around Barzell and telling him like, try to not do what makes him good is insane. Um, yeah, at least Brock Nelson's become a goal scorer. That's nice. Anders Lee, can he stay healthy? I don't know. He's like a multi-sport star, I guess. So like, whatever, but, um, I don't know, man. I don't like the vibes around the aisles just seem all kinds of wrong for me, but you know, maybe that's just Long Island. Maybe that's just what that, that what comes from that. I don't know. Well, Alex and Joe, America called me, and America wants to know <laughs> one thing: who are the Stanley Cup favorites? Oh, Alex, crap. we'll start with you. So, <laughs> I think the obvious answer might be a healthy Colorado team. Or maybe even the Panthers, considering the magic that they pulled off last season. And while, obviously, I will remain hopeful in my Rangers, um, I say as if I own the organization. People hate when I say my, but, like, it's just... <laughs> um, <laughs> I am going to go with a little bit of a wild card. Um, it, w- it came down to two teams for me. It was between Dallas and Edmonton. And... I just have this feeling that the cup's going to go back to Canada. Um, mm-hmm. Edmonton wow. had really, yeah, I, I realize it's a little bit of a wild take, but Edmonton had a really strong season. McDavid was putting up Gretzky style numbers. He's okay. I, yeah, you know. <laughs> Sorry. McDavid, who? Um, he, <laughs> he was so good that I loved being on nights where the Oilers played just to watch him. Um, and I'm I'm not normally a I just want to watch this player type of person, but he's that good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I I really felt that after their second round exit, they had a little bit of that unfinished business in them, where they felt like you know hit between McDavid and Drysidle and and just all those guys that don't get enough credit because of that dynamic duo. Um, they seemed hungry and they seemed angry and they knew. I think after that, if they didn't win next season, it was going to start becoming a little bit more complicated for them moving forward. Um, and they also have the pressure of like Canada wanting a cup back. Mm. And I'm sorry to Toronto, but I don't see it happening. I, I'm sorry. I know they got over the hurdle. They're all excited. But, but when that happens in the second round, the way it did, the way that went down, what are you exactly excited about? I, I don't see it, and I don't really see it for the other Canadian teams as well. There's a fire sale going on in Calgary. Um, you know, Vancouver is like they were getting decent at best. They obviously went through a lot of changes. Winnipeg, not going to say anything else. Um, <laughs> Montreal's okay, and and Toronto is you know they have their talent, but I don't see it happening for them. But I just have this feeling the Cup's going back to Canada, and if McDavid has another Gretzky style season, I could very easily see them getting over that hurdle because from my perspective their second round exit had a lot more to do with running out of steam than not having enough talent um and i could just i could see them going very far so i'm gonna go with them and i and as my second like backup option i'm gonna say dallas but uh and i promise i'm not just saying that because of the cowboys (laughs) (laughs) there (laughs) you got a lot more guts than i do alex i would i can't (laughs) I can't, I can't buy into the Oilers at all. They feel like a team that is just destined to just come, just fall short all the time. And it, it's very hard to, 
to deny McDavid. He's just he's friggin' awesome. He absolutely rules. Leon Dreisaitl's incredible to watch too. Um, to me, they're a they're a really not deep team. Um, you know, I, I I'm rooting for Connor Brown to have a nice comeback comeback season there. Um, I have a complicated relationship with Evander Kane, so I'll leave it at that. Um, I love uh, Evan Bouchard on defense there. I think Stuart Skinner's a great, a, a great, uh, had a great rookie season. Oilers goalies are just like doomed forever. It seems like so. I, I Edmonton's going to be a really good regular season team, but it's really hard for me to stay, steer away from Vegas again. Vegas showed me. All, and it wasn't just the playoff run last season. The playoff run was really impressive. Almost all season, they were incredible. Um, they ran into some pretty hard injury problems midway through the year. You know, you know, Mark Stone gets put on LTIR, which was kind of convenient salary speaking wise. But uh, you know, Eichel was Eichel missed some games with some with some injury problems there, and they just kept finding ways to 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 grind through it and get through it. And no matter how many guys they had hurt. The guys came back, and when they came back, they were twice as good as they were before they went out. And it showed in the it showed in the playoffs. I'm going to be really curious about Aiden Hill in goal if that was a for real, a real like awakening for him during the playoffs, or if maybe it's going to be Logan Thompson's show again at some point there. But to me, that just means they're pretty set in goal. I love Vegas. I love Dallas too. I think Dallas Dallas to me is the team with the chip on their shoulder. Um, after losing to Vegas in the, in the West final, I, another year of, uh, Wyatt Thompson, uh, being better. Um, I, Jason Robertson's an incredible player. What a player he is. Joe Pavelski never gets old. That dude, that dude could be 55. He'll be scoring 40 goals a season. It's, <laughs> it's crazy. He's, he's so good. And I think, uh, I want to see a more consistent season out of Jake Ottinger, but he showed a lot last year in goal that he can handle it. Mira Heskinen is just a just a stud defenseman. He's just he's just so good. Dallas Vegas in the West Final again just seems like destiny, and whoever wins that's going to win the cup to me because I think the East is such a slaughter fest with everybody. No, whoever whoever comes through in that top eight, one one v eight is going to be an awful matchup for whether it's Carolina or Jersey or Toronto or Tampa or whoever Boston yeah. and Boston, Boston can drop 20 points from what they did last year and still finish first in the East. I mean, it helps That's when you insane. put up like, it helps when you put up 135 <laughs> points in the regular season, but like, and then choke in the playoffs, but they choke. Right, right. But like everybody in the East, like whoever comes through, it's going to just be, nasty and it, it it's going to make everybody scream for the one through eight playoffs again as, as opposed to this you know half-assed divisional thing that they that they've been doing the last few years but man oh man i just just carolina jersey Rangers, like these are just teams that i in my mind are 100 point teams 100 point teams carolina jersey rangers tampa boston i still think boston's a 100 point team uh toronto buffalo could be a 100 point team um Florida could be a hundred point team. I, I like just the, just the Atlantic division alone could be absolutely murder because the only team that'll be bad is Montreal. And they're going to be a pain in the ass to everybody because they're yeah. stupid young They're Everybody's focused on Buffalo being like the new young hotness right now. Montreal's going to be right on their heels within the next year or two, because they've got a ton of stars on, waiting, like a ton of young players on the way up. And if Slavkowski show like blows up this season, that changes them up a little bit because they're going to be, they're going to be 
just teeming over with with young speedy talent. St. Louis, we talked about how like nasty of a coach Babcock and those guys are. St. Louis is like out of like the Don Granado fun coach mode where he just gets it with the players. The players love him and they just want to play. And, it, and Marty's just kind of like, yeah, man, just go skate, score. I don't care. Go do your thing. So um, it, it, East is just going to be so wicked and teams are just going to get the snot beat out of them before the finals. Not to say that the West is easy, but I keep looking at that central division and going, well, it's Dallas and Colorado. And like, who gives a crap about the rest of the team? Because <laughs> nobody else stands a chance. Well, we do have to ask, because I don't think, Chris, Jason, I don't know if we did this with Joe when when we had him on the first time because we didn't know what, what the hell we were doing. And I think <laughs> it, it was, was episode two. Yeah, it was right. episode two. <laughs> but Joe went to SUNY Oswego with the three of us, and Alex is a SUNY Cortland grad, so we'll, that's close enough. Uh, but, <laughs> jo- Joe, we have to ask you, uh, what was your favorite on-campus food at Oswego and your favorite off-campus mm. food? And chicken patty day. What was your chicken patty like? <laughs> so, okay. So controversy, controversy here. Uh, I wasn't a big chicken patty guy. Whoa. <laughs> I know. I know. You're not allowed on the show anymore. Uh, it's well, Listen, I'm going to go out with a bang then. Um, <laughs> no, my, uh, my, uh, one of my roommates, Justin, Justin Vancor was a big, he was, a, he was, a, he was enough of a chicken patty fan that it made up for, for my lack of being one. Um, he wrote sonnets about chicken patties. So, um, wow. I, I, he may, he may have he even written have. a song about it. He, it's very possible he wrote a song about chicken patties. Yeah, like four chicken patties per visit. I, it's, listen, man, it's a it, big some, dude. So, you know, growing six boy. Foot seven, that's a lot. That's, that's a he lot was, of space for, some, big for some chicken patties. But um, no, I was, I went the other way. I was a chicken tenders guy. Um, oh, wow. Okay. Tenders day, like, which I guess should have been like the uh, premonition that I'd wind up in Buffalo at some point. But, True. Um, but but the but the chicken tenders were were definitely much more my jam and when they had like the uh they when they started doing late night which was mm-hmm. maybe the the smartest thing they ever did was like hey let's open a dining hall for you crazies that are up studying or like working places or whatever or playing and, video games <laughs> that's that's also studying i mean that's studying you know the the advances in 64-bit <laughs> graphics listen right uh, uh dating ourselves on that one like, and <laughs> 64 ps1 remember those yeah you can buy them for 50 bucks at some store now um but it was you would get those and it was just like oh my god yes this is exactly what i needed today uh, the the thing if i could correct myself from back back in the day was i would tell myself to not have a bowl of cereal with every meal that probably could have saved me roughly 20 pounds, but, um, <laughs> but, uh, but off campus, listen, it's the sub shop and it's the cheeseburger sub undefeated, undefeated, it's, undefeated. Anytime I go back to yes. town, I'm the first stop I make, Never mind going to camp. I can't go to campus first because I might get a ticket for just, you know, <laughs> driving around campus, which we're going five miles an hour. <laughs> listen, I got invited back one time by whoever, uh, I forget who was running the, uh, the alumni office, but I remember tweeting at like the Oswego account or something. and was just like, Hey, I'm going to stop by and visit. Like, hey, come by. We got a, we got like a alumni gift back for you. He's like, well, that's cool. Free stuff like that. I got tracked all around campus by some campus police officer like following me <laughs> everywhere and i was like dude get off me <laughs> so like i parked at like one of the student lots and like hid hidden you know, like hid way in the back there and like 
did like a little walk around like the campus center, the you know campus store, see what's going on there. Checked it out, see if I could run an Eddie Gozik. I didn't. Um, and then was like, all right. So I go back and I was fully expecting there to be a ticket on the car. And there wasn't. I was like, oh, great. So I walk, I walk back to the car and then I see the cop car driving by and pull into the lot. I was like, ah, sucker, I'm already leaving. <laughs> I get to the alumni office and like didn't see this cop anywhere, which should have been the, the tip off. I park in the lot go inside, meet with the people, the alumni staff and everything. And, you know, had a nice talk and it was great. Come back at the outside ticket right in the window. And I was uh-huh. like, oh, mother. I was like, okay. So I never tweeted at this, the uh, SUNY us. We go count faster than I ever did there. I was, I was like, Hey, cool. It was very nice to see you guys. Great that you invited me here, but couldn't help but feel like a little bit of entrapment here that I got a ticket within five seconds of being at the alumni house. And they were like, Oh my God, just throw it out. It's fine. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> is that for real? Like, I don't know if that's real. They're like, no, we took care of it already. It I was like, thanks. <laughs> but yeah, so like that's, but yeah, no, sub shop is the first stop every time. And my God, man, it's, I love Delicious. that it's unchanged over time. And yes, the, the key addition, anytime, any sub you get there, get the freaking French fries. The French oh, fries, yeah. I don't know what they do with them. And I don't know what, you know, how, you know, would, if they do something special with the potato, I don't know. I know maybe they buy some like special frozen one. I don't know. I don't know. I don't care. They're amazing. They're, yes, in, yes, I don't they know are. what makes them so good, but they're so damn good. I wonder if they cook them in duck fat. Listen, if no they're way. doing that, that's way too fancy. What are you crazy? Come on now. They charge like true. 20 bucks for them. That's true. They would be like hey, $30 know, fries. Man. I'd eat them. I'd, I'd of course, buy I'd eat them. Yes, you would the eat point. them. Come on. But duck yeah, fat. I, uh, I, I was, I was doing like the, um, like searching to see like if, if there were any places that were from back in the day that were still open in town, which was a depressing exercise. Cause I was trying to, you know, plot out like another visit to go to a game or something. And there's like, maybe there's maybe like two bars left. That yeah. Are, that's are about right. Left over. I think it's like the brick and the Raven, the I Raven. That, yeah. I think those are the only two that are left. And I saw that there's like a, like a whole, like whole ass, like music hall out there now. That's like Got up me. the road from where the patch used to be, which I'm like, okay huh. it's like i and it looks like this massive like building and i'm like did they build more cool stuff like yeah. after we left like we yes you didn't need to rub it in our face more but like yeah. geez guys look the the mayor there billy barlow is on the ball i've that's, heard nothing but great things about barlow and what he's done with the city of oswego so well that's that's awesome i that's yeah. great to hear and like a buddy of mine's band is playing out there soon i i had to try to like come up with some tips to like places to go but now i'm just like i don't know go to the sub shop go to the raven go to go to the brick and anywhere else is is up for up for grabs i feel i feel bad that alex is left out of this conversation completely. well we're, no, we're, we're we're gonna, we're get, gonna get to her we're gonna get to her, we'll yes. get to her. <laughs> Kevin, hang tight kevin's the only one who knows Cortland anyway so it doesn't uh, matter <laughs> all i know is that when i've gone back up to Cortland since mm-hmm. graduation Nobody's given me a ticket, so wow. <laughs> you're coming out wow. way ahead. <laughs> they like him. They like her better than you. That's <laughs> listen. The, so the list uh, of people that like me is very short. So it's fine. So we were all big, well, except for Joe. Uh, we were all big chicken patty fans. Like <laughs> on on campus, we would go to the dining hall on chicken patty day, and it would be a big thing. But was there any? Uh, where was your go to on campus uh, at Cortland? Like. In terms of uh, lunch, breakfast, dinner, whatever. How do I phrase this? My wallet. Um, I would. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I would order in a lot because, for as much as, and I, I say this with my whole heart, for as much as I love Cortland to death, they lacked in food. Um, they lacked in quantity and quality of food, <laughs> and Ouch. that's from 
working at a dining hall at Cortland, like at, like in the actual institution. It was called New Big. I still have a burn on my arm from one of the bagel trays. It was not good. Like nothing about the experience of food there was good. Working, eating, observing, just no. Um, <laughs> okay. The one redeeming place was a lovely place. Yeah, right. No, I, <laughs> the food was not it. But the one redeeming place was this uh, this place called Hilltop and they had sushi that was actually pretty good. Um, and I'm a big sushi person. So I was like, when I don't want to spend my own money as a broke college kid, I'm just going to go there. Um, but it wasn't even like meal swipes. It was dining dollars, okay. which I'm very upset. So I was back at Cortland this past weekend to visit some friends. And they told me that they could get me food now without, you know, paying for it. I'm like, what are you talking about? And they said that included in their meal plan now is an option to switch out meals for dining dollars. So basically, the actual dining halls are empty now because everybody switches out the meal plans to go get Hilltop or, you know, oh. like Chicken Bap or whatever the other places are that require, you know, actual money. But now they're they're switching it out. I was like, why couldn't they have done this? a year mm. ago when i was still there and starving like all these that's places that. serve take the take the dining dollars like all the restaurants in town take the dining dollars they used to i used to go to applebee's and they would take my dining dollars and this place called um bricks and bricks. bricks was yeah but i think you guys mentioned bricks i wasn't sure if it was the same no um, no was yeah. a, this was a bar called the brick yeah, there was a bar guess. within Bricks, but oh, there you go. So. I'm pretty sure some of the bars in Cortland like have been shut down or their liquor license has been taken away, stuff like yes. that. Sounds about right. The, uh, Stone Lounge, I think, for yes. one. Yeah. They're not having a great time. No. <laughs> Cortland sounds like a dump, man. <laughs> <laughs> like what? My dump. dump. <laughs> How how was it fun? <laughs> like I don't understand. Listen, I the greatest people in my life, outside of a couple friends that I still have from high school, have come from there. Like I the people are unmatched, phenomenal people that I've met. And that's faculty and student inclusive. Um, mm. everybody was so on my side with every single thing I did there. Yeah, I have nothing but good things to say, minus the food. <laughs> no one fed you. Like, I mean, <laughs> part of the college experience is eating. She didn't eat. She just didn't eat. She just didn't eat. Yeah, I mean, they yeah. served she, her. Okay. <laughs> stayed skinny. That's how she stayed skinny. She didn't eat. <laughs> the freshman 15 did not happen, but not intentionally. Uh, it was just, you know, not available. <laughs> just, just natural starvation by the university. That's the same. I get it. <laughs> It's part of the school here. We're gonna starve you. Yeah. <laughs> I actually, uh, Cortland was where I had one of my funniest broadcasting moments. Uh, was calling a game down there, and you know how the uh, I think you guys all know like the setup. You know, you're basically yes. on the concourse inside where the rink is in Cortland, and where we set up our table. And this is myself and Dom Izzo doing the call in the game, and I, I was doing play by play for the first and third periods that night. So, um. So we're set up and we're basically almost right behind the Oswego bench and Oswego scores like maybe a minute, minute and a half into the game. And there's hardly anybody in there because everybody's going to the basketball game right next door, mm. which we, you know, we walk into the building. We're like, wow, a lot of people going to be here tonight. No, they're all going to the gym and we're going to, they were going to the rink. So we, we get set up and I, you know, I do the goal call and he scores. And then I 
realized very quickly my voice was echoing through the entire <laughs> the entire rink <laughs> half the oswego benches they're yes. celebrating and then they turn around and looked at me like uh, all right man cool <laughs> this is awesome and i'm like sorry the Cortland bench is like throwing staring daggers at me i'm like dude like what do you want like get some fans man like this is yeah. what, what do you want from me like it's gonna be like this all night if you don't if you don't stop us so yeah that was it was I, never a fun experience to play Oswego. I will give you guys that. Obviously, you guys are a great <laughs> hockey team. And every time you would come in, there would be Oswego fans in the building. And I'd always think to myself, where? Like, they're just popping out of the woodworks. <laughs> and honestly, it was worse than Blackhawks fans in, like, 2015. I mean, they just popped out of nowhere. <laughs> And I, that's the highest compliment possible <laughs> well, they're, they're all over the place it's i mean they're not that far away they're all over a lot of them live in syracuse they live, yeah. you know like myself and i'll never forget um it, it wasn't oswego it was fredonia uh it, i it was the first playoff game that i covered for Cortland, and i did like this segment right beforehand that i had come up with just to kind of introduce the game i went live on instagram um and i noticed that a lot of people from Fredonia or like people like students who went there or like members of their hockey team were watching and I found that very off-putting because why would the other team be watching me like they didn't even know I existed before that night probably so why are you watching Cortland Hockey's live Instagram we get to I think the end of the second period and I'm waiting you know for whoever it was that I was interviewing and one of their players their backup goalie walks by and goes nice interview or something like that. Like something to that. And it was very clearly, you know, just mocking the fact that I was doing it. And the guy standing next to me, the player that I was interviewing goes, you're the backup, like shut the, you know, and I, and we ended up winning. We beat them like five to one. And so at the end of the third, like end of regulation, guys are walking by and I stood there and I, I, I held the mic out and I was like, does anybody want an interview? Anybody? Yeah. Anybody want an interview? It was so funny. They were so mad. I honestly thought they were going to attack me. <laughs> nobody, nobody likes Fredonia anyway. Yeah. It's in the True. middle of nowhere. It's like Ugh. halfway to Cleveland. No one like, no one likes Fredonia. See, that's a good, that's John Bonds left the banner in, 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 uh, in, in Cortland. Uh, I was going to say, so WNYO, our student radio station, <laughs> There's two banners that we left behind in Cortland. Uh, I know Jason and I, we did it one year. We we went down. We, cause the oh, banner, I did it twice. Oh, twice. great. So we, we put the banner on the balcony so we couldn't see it. It was out of our sight. So we taped it up there, the NYO banner, and we did the game. And then we were like, are they going to leave us here? Like, oh, let's, let's pack up and get out of here. So we didn't realize until basically the bus got to Oswego that were like, Oh, we forgot the banner. So we, we made some calls to, I think Fran Alia was still, was there uh, way back when. So he's been the SID at Cortland for forever. Um, I think edited some but, of my articles. Yeah. I remember that name. Yeah. 
So yeah. Fran, I think I think it was Fran we reached out to where we were like, Do you see this banner? And they're like, No, no, it's not it's not here. Some and then dorm room already. Yeah. <laughs> but then Jason, you and John Quantz the following year went down to Cortland and you guys did it again. You guys back to back years, there. baby. That's right. <laughs> this is why Dom and I didn't have a banner to, to bring with us anywhere. That's right. Kevin and I left it twice. Kevin and I left it one year, and then I me and John Quantz left it another. And it was only Cortland. Every other place yeah. I remember to take it from. It was only Cortland. <laughs> The, yeah, that Joe. That's why there was nothing left in the budget for another batter. So that's, you know, listen, we we, we had to, we had to spend our budget budget getting um having like the Plattsburgh people trying to charge us two hundred fifty bucks to use oh. like, the day of Game Three of the oh. SUNY Finals in two thousand two, and we were like, yeah, send us the bill, creeps, get lost. <laughs> they never, they never, they never sent a bill. So yeah. <laughs> But they were yeah day three after being there for games one and two they're just like oh you know it's gonna be like two hundred fifty bucks for the line it's like you guys let us broadcast the first two games like what's your what's your deal man they're just like well we thought we'd catch you now I'm like yeah you thought there'd be a game three I bet <laughs> oh Plattsburgh <laughs> that's a whole other podcast waiting to happen exactly. yeah it is one hundred percent I I think so. So, Alex, we're writing it down. Edmonton and Dallas. Joe, we got Vegas and Dallas. Uh, so, we'll, Dallas is the number two. So, we'll, we'll see what happens. Yep. And, oh. you know, oh. and uh, I don't know. I, I'm not holding out much hope for the Rangers this year, but we'll see. We'll see no. what happens. But we'll, we'll keep those predictions where we, you know, we keep our notes and our predictions yeah. on our, our board. <laughs> Don't make me hopeless before the season even starts. All right. (laughs) I mean, Joe said they're a hundred point team. Yeah, he did. I mean, you know, listen, I, the last time I had predictions held against me, it was uh, when they asked us for cup picks in 2014 at NBC before the seat, like the opening day of the season. And I go, I don't know. I'm just looking at the rosters. I said, I don't know. Kings are going to be good again. So I'll pick the Kings. And I was like, about the Rangers. I was like, yeah, Kings will beat the Rangers in seven games in the cup final in 20, 2013, before the 13-14 season. The first comment on the post was, you should be fired for this. And I go, well, that's heavy. Fast forward to the end of the year, the Kings beat the Rangers in six it's games. Your fault. Yep. And I was like, huh, well, how about that? And I went back and go, yeah, how about that? And then I wasn't hired back by NBC after that season. So, you know what? Listen, everybody got what they wanted. I got the cup final prediction correct. That guy got to see me no longer work for NBC. So it was (laughs) made everybody happy. (laughs) Well, Joe and Alex, it's been an absolute pleasure here on our 23rd episode of Throwing Beagles podcast. Uh, We appreciate your time, guys. Thankful to be here. Yeah. Always happy to be here with you guys. This is the throwback to the old days. All right. Well, that was Alex Russo, uh, a legend at Cortland State University and Laker legend Joe Yurden uh, joined us. Uh, what That was wonderful. Uh, they had some great insight as to, uh, you know, what the Rangers, Islanders and uh, Sabres and that Devils team that they both like uh, are going to do this season. Uh, I, I guess you can't really disagree with their list, though. No, that yeah. list. I mean, I, I hate to say it, but the Devils are just they're They're built built up right now and they're young and they're talented and they're i'd be shocked if they didn't win the metro division but you know we'll see what happens you know that's why you play the games but you know i mean the metro division in general is gonna be a tough division pittsburgh's still there you know so they're not going anywhere as long as crosby's around they're not going anywhere and like like they both said sabers are up and coming and 
you know, the Islanders are the Islanders. Uh, let's segue seamlessly. So there are some really cool, funny things that happened over the weekend. I don't know if you guys watch the NFL. I'm sure you do. Um, but the Seahawks and Lions game, there was a really funny instance that occurred. So Geno Smith gets called for intentional grounding. So like any other player, we'll go up to the referee and start wondering, like, what are you doing? Why are you calling that? The referee turned his microphone on and said, I'm talking to America here. And it was over a live microphone. <laughs> That's hilarious. I got to look that up. So uh, that was on national television. Uh, and it was quite, quite, quite funny. Um, but that the second funniest thing, Jay, I think we, we were talking about it just a few minutes ago off air was the Kelsey touchdown for Ian Eagles call. Just classic, just classic. Find the blank space, like perfect. He couldn't, he couldn't <laughs> have, he couldn't have just said it any better. It was so seamless. Like I didn't even see the game and I, you know, you just hear it and you're like, and then you look, watch the replay of it and you're like, Oh, and then you don't even know what's going on. You don't, if you don't even know the whole insinuation of it, you're like, and then you find out you're like, Oh, Oh, that makes total sense. Oh, I get it now. That's really good. And for those that don't know, there's there's a rumor that Jason uh Jason Kelsey, uh (laughs) Travis Kelsey of the Chiefs is hanging out with Taylor Swift. So you know, Swifties go easy on them, go easy on them. All right. She she might just put out a whole album about the Chiefs and and they break up. Oh my god, they break up. Yeah, right. I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be crazy. I so think, Ian Eagle referred to one of the songs in his call for the touchdown that Jason, uh, Jason, there I go again, Jason Kelsey, <laughs> Travis Kelsey, uh, for Chiefs. So that was a, that was seamless. Like he, he I mean, Ian Eagle's a just a polished, amazing professional broadcaster. So good. and Syracuse alum, um, just fantastic. This is actually big, guys. This is our last podcast before. The newly resurrected uh, Oswego School of Communications Alumni Dinner or Communications Studies Alumni Dinner, I believe it's officially called. In fancy Sheldon Hall. I've never been in Sheldon Hall before. Me neither. What that will mean, guys, it'll be the first time in who knows how long that the three of us have been together in the same place, in the same room. That's true. 10 years. It's been yeah, 10 years least, yeah. or 11, no, 11 years. What did I send you guys? Yesterday? Uh, 12, 12, 12 years, 12 like years, that. 2011. Yeah, yeah. Jeez. Yeah. I know so... my kid was three. <laughs> uh, so, uh, we're very much looking forward to that. We got to get some pictures of us together so we can put them on the website. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should do a live show. Yeah. And listen, NYO, we're coming show. for you. Yeah, we're, that's we're coming right. in there. We're gonna we're gonna raid your studio. We're gonna do a show from there. Okay, we're gonna stream a live show. That's right. That's right. We're not gonna mingle with other alumni or students. <laughs> we're just gonna go right to NYO. Just, shut the door. Yeah, I mean, exactly. listen, it's it's literally the only reason I'm going up. Right. I mean, I thought that's what was it. Work on equipment that I never thought I'd ever work on before in, <laughs> in, in college. <laughs> oh right. man, our next guest right after. Right after the calm dinner, Dr. Jennifer Knapp, who is the dean of the Oswego School of Communication, Media, and the Arts, recap the dinner a little bit. So it'll be great. Yeah, very exciting. Yeah. So, Dr. Knapp coming up in a couple of weeks. We have a blog next week. I don't know. 
I don't know what I believe we're doing that's next mine, week. I think. Uh, if you want. All right. We're voluntelling you. Chris. Or mine. It's I, your know, I turn. didn't get cool. that. I didn't do one last time, but <laughs> <laughs> we'll figure that out. But um, take care. Thank you again for listening. Uh, and uh, keep tabs on us online, throwingbagels.com. Email us, throwingbagelspodcast at gmail.com. And that's it. Cool. Chris. Kevin. I bid you adieu. We'll see you later. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Indeed. Jason, yes. we will see you. See you in a week and a half. In a week and a half. Counting down the days. Looking forward to it. This will be good. See ya. Laker legend. Laker legend.